Good morning, and welcome to Ask BBB. Our co-host, Monica Braz, Communications Manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario, is away today. On this morning's program, we're going to learn about the Salvation Army Kettle Campaign, how it works, and what it means for Londoners. And we'll talk about things that we should be thinking about in terms of financial planning in 2019 as it comes to a close. Well, a week or so ago, we had a snowfall that seemed like a shot across the bow, letting us know it's time to get ready for winter. And that set off the phones at auto care and tire centers throughout the region. And one of those busy phones was at Wortley Auto Service. Matt Smith, the owner, is in the studio with us this morning. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Well, am I right? Was the phone ringing? It was ringing off the hook. (laughs) So the first question, Matt, is... Do we really need snow tires or or will the all seasons be enough? I always say that depends. If you don't intend to drive at all during the winter, then you definitely don't need (laughs) snow tires. But if you plan to drive when there's snow or ice on the ground or any real inclement weather, you always benefit from snow and winter tires for your car. They do help you stop better on ice and they just give you better traction all around. What, What is the difference besides the tread? Well, the rubber is softer on a winter or snow tire. And I guess I should clarify, there's really two types of winter tires. You have snow tires, and then you have snow and ice tires. So a snow and ice tire is a more malleable, softer rubber. It provides better traction on ice, where a snow tire has larger tread blocks, and it has a tread design that works better in slush and snow. How do, how do you then counsel as to which one you want? If you want an ice tire, uh, is it dependent on the amount of driving you do, your budget? or, or how Well, do you... those are all factors for sure. They, they, they do cost more. And the big downside to an ice tire is the rubber is a lot softer and it does wear more quickly. There are tires on the market that do have a tread wear rating now on ice tires. And that's fairly new. A few years ago, those tires were incredibly soft. I recall a time that I forgot to take my winter tires off my vehicle and on the May long weekend I went on a camping trip and by the time I came home they were just about bald and I just bought the tires for myself for Christmas that year. So so you really make the uh, the judgment on the amount of driving you do, where you go and I guess your risk tolerance as well. If you want uh, that extra bit of safety, if ice should occur, then you want to consider that, I guess, eh? Absolutely. I, I My father, for instance, is in his 70s and retired, and he doesn't need to leave the house early in the morning to get to work. So we have snow tires on his SUV, and they, they work quite well for him, and he's never had any traction problems. But he would likely be a person that would avoid driving in really, really terrible weather. Now, you mentioned uh, knowing when they should be replaced and that there's ratings on them. So how do you determine uh, if our winter tires, or for that matter, any tire needs to be replaced? There's a few industry benchmarks that we follow. Normally, when a tire is four to five years old, the rubber compound is starting to harden up in the tire. So it no longer is malleable and it, it doesn't stick to the road surface particularly well. Often I can run my hand over a set of tires and just tell that the, the rubber's hardened. I look at what's called a DOT, manufacturing date. There's a four-digit manufacturing date, which is the week and then the year that the tire was manufactured. So if it was made in February of 2015, it would be something like 0615, meaning the sixth week of 2015. So it's, it's not just how much tread there is there. It's just uh, the condition of the rubber then. 
Precisely. Yeah. Uh, what are the pros and cons of having an extra set of rims uh, for the vehicle, for the snow tires? And, and how do you determine if that sort of investment makes sense for your driving habits? The changeover cost is significantly less when the tires are on a second set of wheels. Normally, you would save roughly $120 a year changing over your tires because you change them twice a year. If the wheels cost $60, let's say over a two-year period, they would start to pay for themselves. If you keep the car four or five years in the set of tires, then you've saved several hundred dollars over that period of time. So it's uh, you just do the math and uh, it'll... I always help my customers do that. Yeah, we always <laughs> say, how long do you plan to keep the car? <laughs> Uh, a lot of the newer vehicles are equipped with uh, pressure sensors that uh, let us know when uh, the inflation isn't quite right. Uh, how does that uh, affect the tire decisions and changing and stalling and so on? We do actually now have the ability to program a second set of sensors for most vehicles and install them on the winter wheels. That way, the you know we as the tires are installed on the car, the light is reset and cleared, and uh, you, you, they work just like the original wheels would. Matt, we hear uh, about filling tires with nitrogen. What's the advantage of that, and, and what would the cost be? The nitrogen in your tires is less susceptible to pressure fluctuations with temperature change. So, for instance, when the temperature drops outside 10 degrees Celsius, Overnight, the pressure in your tire is less likely to drop to a point where it would either cause underinflation or having the tire pressure monitor light activated on the dashboard. That's the primary advantage of using nitrogen in your tires. And the cost? The cost is $5 a tire to fill it with nitrogen. I do always advise my customers that the air that goes into your tires is normally about 75% nitrogen. The other advantage of using nitrogen over the long term, it doesn't have any moisture in it, so there's less likelihood of corrosion on the inside of the wheel that would eventually cause a very minor leak where the tire meets on the wheel surface. So that is a consideration as well. Yeah, Matt, uh, we're just about out of time here. Are there some other things that we should be thinking about uh, having done with our vehicle in preparation for the winter that we know is coming? I guess the best advice I give everybody, please get your battery checked. The worst thing is being stuck with a car that won't start at 11 o'clock at night in a parking lot. And what's involved in that? Normally, we advise all our customers to stop in in the fall and we do a really quick check on the battery. Uh, Anybody should be able to go to their uh, normal automotive service provider and have the battery checked. It shouldn't take more than just a few minutes. And it's good peace of mind. And so when it's uh, minus 20... We won't be stranded. Precisely. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time here this morning, Matt. We appreciate you uh, taking time to be with us on Ask BBB. Thanks for having me in. You're listening to Ask BBB, and we say thanks to Matt Smith of Wortley Auto Service for providing some very useful information and advice to help get us ready for winter. Wortley Auto Service is an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario with an A-plus rating. You can look them up in the BBB directory under Auto Service. And we'll return in a moment to talk about financial planning as the new year approaches. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Dates on the calendar are closer than they appear. We're at the end of November, and that means a busy month ahead before we turn the page to a brand new year. December 31st means the year is complete, and the books are closed on all of your financial transactions for the calendar year. 
We're joined now by David J. Elliott of Sutherland Elliott Insurance and Thames Financial to look at things we should consider as the year comes to an end. Good morning, David. Good to have you along. Good morning, Jim. How are you this fine morning? We're doing just fine. A little shocked that the end of the year is, is uh, so close at hand. So, so, David, what are some of the things we should be considering uh, doing with our finances before the 31st of December 2019? Well, this is a great time, Jim, to sit back and be thankful for everything that we've got and also to share with those a little bit of our extra cash that we have. So for giving some money to charities right now would be a great idea because those tax receipts that you get for the end of the year are going to help reduce taxes again um, when you do your tax return in January, February, March, whenever you get to it. So the biggest thing right now is make sure you've got those tax receipts in and, and uh, give as much as you can. So you help both ways, help yourself and help others all at the same time. Exactly. David, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about uh, as the new year approaches, though, in in terms of financial planning? So from a financial planning standpoint, it's always a good time right now to take stock of uh, if you're putting money away for your children's education, your registered education savings plan, good time to top it up or or make sure that you're maximizing the grant opportunity from the government by year-end so that uh, you've got that going forward. Uh, the other thing is to see whether or not there's an opportunity to put some more money in your tax-free savings account. Uh, again, tax-free savings accounts allow you to put money aside and not have to have a, a interest or a capital gains bill that comes in to um, go on your taxes. Uh, how do you decide whether the registered uh, savings plan, the RSP or the uh, tax-free is the place to put the money? All depends on your income, Jim. Um, if you have a taxable income over $30,000, it's probably a good cho- good chance that your RSP is going to be the best place to put it. If it's under, I would probably suggest it's probably going to go into a tax-free savings account. Uh, a lot of times people think tax-free savings accounts are for the people who've got a lot of money, and it's not really a true statement. Um, if, uh, if if you're not going to get much of a rate of return from your tax savings on it, the tax-free savings account can be pretty good if you've got a low income. But then again, you know, if, if you've maximized your RSPs, let's put some money into tax-free savings accounts as well. When it comes to setting up a, a full financial plan, uh, what are some of the things that a financial planner uh, does for us and with us, and what should we expect? Well, when you're, when you're financial planner sits down, the first thing they're going to have to do is get to know you. And when I say get to know you, they're going to get down, take down personal information, obviously, you know, uh, your your birth date and social insurance and all that kind of good stuff. But what's more important is getting to know what's important to you, Jim, and when things like when do you plan to retire? When do you plan to uh, build a new home? Like whatever your plans and goals are, those things need to be shared with your financial planner right from the beginning so that we know what it is that you're looking, uh, that you're going to need money for and, and what your timelines are going to be so that we know what kind of risk that you can get involved with. Uh, when you talk about risk, uh, what do you mean by that? So when we get when we get to know the client well enough, and let's say you want to save money for a house in the next five years, the type of risk is the type of investment risk that we're looking at. So if you told me that you were looking at trying to get money saved up for the next five years, I wouldn't put you in very many equities, if any at all. I'd put you in income products uh, such as bonds, 
even though you're not going to get a high rate of interest, the risk of losing your principal or risk of losing your savings is going to be reduced. Uh, but we go through that same exercise with all our people, and, and I call it sleepability. If you can, if you can sleep at night, knowing, not waking up wondering, I wonder, are my investments secure, or am I going to lose money if the market goes down? If you have to think about that anytime, you're in the wrong product. You should be in products that allow you to sleep well at night, and you never have a worry. Does age uh, have an effect on where your risk tolerance might be? Uh, Should seniors like myself uh, be reducing risk as we approach retirement? That's a natural process, but I've seen some seniors that have had some uh, cash that they could actually take some risk with. Again, it depends on you've got your income as a senior that you don't want to mess with. You want to make sure that that's secure. But if there was some additional funds that you had that you want to maybe play a little bit more, you've, you've got that flexibility. As long as you're not taking advantage or not, as long as you're not uh, taking away from your own personal income. But yes, as you get older, that uh, risk tolerance becomes less and less and less, or it should be. I've still got some clients that think that they can risk it all, but uh, it's a bit of a gamble. If you suddenly find that you're not particularly pleased with a financial planner, how complicated is it to uh, move your investments from one planner to another, one institution to another? Not complicated at all, Jim. Um, years ago, a lot of the banks, uh, would own, the only way that you could get bank funds or bank investments was to be dealing with that bank. And today, that's not true. Uh, banks have opened it up to ind- independent advisors such as myself, and uh, it is is actually quite easy. We just do what we call a transfer, and it transfers it from one representative to another representative. And you can even keep your investments with the same, if that's what you want, with the same thing, same company. Uh, we can keep those, maintain them, usually with the same company. How do people usually discover you as a financial planner, David? Usually, word of mouth. So it, it normally is uh, individuals that are pleased with the work I, I do, and they're sitting around having a coffee, dinner, card game, and they're talking about somehow it comes up about, you know, my, investor, my investments aren't very good, and I don't know if my advisor's doing the best that they can for me, or I don't really have a good relationship with my advisor. And that's probably the most important thing I hear most often, and uh, it's usually word of mouth that that uh, we get most of our business. So do you get questions at cocktail parties then? Yeah, and uh, you uh, sometimes have to say, here's my card, talk to me on Monday. (laughs) Well, we're glad that you took time to talk to us uh, this morning here on Ask BBB, David. Thanks very much for your time. No problem, Jim, and have a great day. And you have a good year, too. Thank you. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been David J. Elliott of Southern Elliott Insurance and Thames Financial, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. Look them up in the BBB directory under Financial Planning or Insurance. And we'll be back in a moment to learn more about something that is a major part of every Christmas season. Welcome back to Ask BBB, and I'm joined now by Shannon Wise. Shannon is a spokesperson for the Salvation Army here in the London area. Shannon, good to have you here. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, Salvation Army, December, we think kettles. Uh, how, how long have kettles been part of the Christmas season? 
Oh, well over 100 years, especially here in London. We have a rich history, of course, as you know, and uh, we really appreciate the support that we receive year after year. And once again, we are looking for volunteers, um, you know, to staff our kettles because if no one's there, then there's no opportunity to receive those donations that are so um, so needed in this London community. How how does a person volunteer? It's really easy. You can go online to londonchristmaskettles.ca and sign up for your preferred shift and location. And this year we actually have an option of doing a two-hour shift so you don't have to commit very much time. And it's a great thing to do with your kids. What, what sort of instructions do, do people get then if they're going to just stand by the kettle? Is that... Well, you know what? We just love a positive attitude and a smile. <laughs> and of course, ringing the bells. It's an experience that uh, I get to have uh, being a Rotarian and we mm-hmm. uh, man the kettle or person the kettle at uh, Angelo's North. Thank um, you for that. Thank you for, for your service. And once in a while we volunteer at other locations as well. So just go over what we see in terms of the instructions for people so they know uh, what's expected of them. Absolutely. Uh, you just have to be over the age of 16 and you can sign up online. You can call our kettle hotline, I like to call it. Um, and it's very simple. Um, you can do a two-hour shift, a three-hour shift, the whole day if you'd like. And you can really make it a, tr- a Christmas tradition for the whole family. And that's what it's become for the Rotarians who are at that kettle at uh, at Angelo's. How many locations are there in the city? Right now, we have about 50 locations out in the city. So it's it's very accommodating to your schedule. If you live, let's say, near White Oaks Mall, then you can choose a kettle that's in the mall there near Masonville. There's one outside of Coles and that sort of thing. And like you said, Angelo's, there's some great locations out there. And into December, Costco is going to be uh, starting LCBOs. So all of those locations are probably near near where you live in London. So hops, give them a jump. If you can get there, we would love to have you. How do, uh, how do you determine where these kettles will go? Um, well, we have extremely valuable partnerships throughout our community, as, as you know, and, and the listeners out there who listen to this show are aware as well. We return often to the same locations because everybody is driven by community and helping those who are in need. And that's exactly what this campaign does. How important is this, the Kettle Campaign, to the work that Salvation Army does? It's extremely important. We anticipate the numbers from last year. They're not going to change going into the Christmas season. Um, We are expecting to serve about 4,500 households with food this Christmas and then also about 6,500 children right here in our community. So this, every dollar from this campaign really helps. And it's not only used over Christmas, of course. That's why we only have our big ask once a year because it sustains us all year round with the very, very needed programs and services that we offer throughout the city. Do do you set goals? We do. It's the same goal as last year, 550,000. And we are very confident in Londoners and their generosity. And uh, we know that they are going to show up again. Now, when we're standing by the kettle, people come over and they put their change, a lot of fives and sometimes up to $50 bills. But a lot of people walk by and say, sorry, I don't have any cash because we're in a a cashless age, Shannon. Sometimes. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people say, um, 
well, you'd be surprised how many people drop change into um, into the bubbles. But then there's also the option of online giving at fillthekettle.ca. So you can create your own virtual kettle. But as I said, it's incredible how many people really do carry cash because that is the majority of how we receive our donations. And Londoners keep showing up every year. So we are very confident that, uh, you know, just because we are in the new day and age of this technology wave that um, people are still going to show up. So there is an electronic option. On some locations, on a couple locations throughout the city, every city in Canada is different. Um, we are a little heavier on the electronic uh, devices out west. It just depends on what their kettle campaign volunteers are able and willing to do. Oh, you mean right on site. But I was I was thinking in terms of, uh, well, I didn't have any change to put in the bubble, so I'm going home. I can go online and make a donation that will go into the Kettle campaign. Yeah, you sure can. Fillthekettle.ca and you put in your address and every dollar that you donate goes to that community where your address is. So if you would like to donate to London, it stays here. St. Thomas, it stays there, etc. Shannon, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure. And that's our time for Ask BBB this week. Remember, Ask BBB and start with trust.